Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast with Pastor Lawson Perdue. The, the scripture says this in Isaiah 53 verse 8. It's a prophecy of Christ's death. And it says, who shall declare his generation? And we talked about the reach of the gospel. And we said the reach of the gospel is nations and generations. Praise God, nations and generations. We said, how many nations are there in the world? There's 195 different nations in the world. A little bit over 7.6 billion people. So that averages out to be about 39 and a quarter million per nation. What if one nation didn't hear the gospel? You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 14. He said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. So the reach of the gospel is nations and generations. And then last week, I taught a series on, or a message in this Jesus generation on generation to generation. And we shared in this scripture in Psalm 78, in fact, Randy and Patty Schrantz come to this church and their son is assistant pastor at uh, Highlands Church in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, Pastor Chris Hodges and Patty said, I watched Chris this morning and he's preaching on generation to generation. Pastor, he's preaching the same thing you are. I said, well, that's amazing. We didn't talk, but the Holy Ghost is trying to get this message across to the body of Christ. Amen? And so we want the gospel to go from generation to generation. And we looked at the scripture in Psalm 78. I'm going to read it from the modern English version. It says in verse 4 to verse 6, We will not hide them, talking about the word of God from their children, but will tell the coming generation the praises of the Lord, his strength and wonderful works he has done. For he established in a rule in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they would make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children who are not yet born, who will arise and declare them to their children. Generation to generation. Now, what if a generation didn't hear the gospel? That'd be a really sad thing. And so we said, we want to teach the generations to come, right? And I talked last week about the third generation. See, the first generation lived it. The second generation saw it, but the third generation needs to experience not only the truth of the word of God, but the power of God. I thank God for the power of God. Amen. I thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, in between services, I greeted Jackson Clip. Jackson was on, on more than 10 medications every day. And last year, Jackson, something got on the inside of him, just 10 years old. He said, listen, I'm done with the devil and I'm done with this sickness and I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> Praise God. The doctor said he would die young. They said he'd have to be on this stuff all his life. He went off it. Praise God. He's never been on it and he is completely healed. It's a miracle. Hallelujah, Jesus is still in the miracle working business. And you know, we see a lot of miracles. Thank God for his power. But Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18 says this, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. Before now I've declared your wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not till I've showed your strength to this generation. I want to show your strength I want to show your power to this generation and your power to everyone who's to come. Our lives are a living testimony of the power of God to the people on this earth. 
They're a living demonstration of the gospel. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But today I'm gonna talk about chosen generation. I want you to open your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter two. We're gonna read in verses one through verse 10. Peter's talking about who we are as God's people. Listen to what he says. He says, wherefore laying aside all malice or hatred and deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you've tasted that the Lord is good. We're children of God. We are born of God. First John five verse one says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. First Peter chapter one, verse 23, just before this says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. We've been born of God. James 1.18 says, of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth, that we would be a first kind of first fruit of his creation. We are born of God. He goes on to say this in verse four, to whom coming, speaking of Jesus as a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We're chosen of God and we're members of God's house. Verse six, he goes on, wherefore also it's contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believes on him shall not be ashamed. We're not ashamed. Thank God we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. We don't have to be ashamed of Jesus. Unto you therefore who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone who the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. We're believers. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them who stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. But listen to verse nine. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. So who are we? We're children of God, chosen of God, members of God's house, not ashamed, believers, chosen, royal, holy, peculiar, called. We are God's people. How did we come become that way? We were born into God's family. We are the family of God. So the Jesus generation, notice Verse nine, you are a chosen generation. The Jesus generation is a chosen generation. Now I wanna show you something right quick. I want JT and Aaron and Javier to come up here and I wanna show you something uh, from the scripture, but I wanna give you a living example of it. JT stand right here and Aaron stand right here. Javier stand right here. All right, now what does the world see? When the world sees JT, Aaron and Javier, The world sees a 50-year-old black man, 37-year-old white man. I'm talking about the world. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about this is how the world sees it. The world sees a 20-some-year-old Mexican man. Oh, I love Mexicans. I grew up with a lot of Mexicans. Praise God. You know what? I love all people. 
You know, God loves all people. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. But when God looks at JT, Aaron, and Javier, God doesn't see a 50-year-old black man, a 30-some-year-old white man, and a 20-some-year-old Mexican. What God sees is his family. These are his family. Now, I want to I go back to 1 Peter 2, 9 and show you something. Look at this in verse 9. He says, you are a chosen generation. The word for generation is the Greek word genos. It means you're a chosen kind, kindred, offspring, nation, stock. Remember that Jesus Born, a family, many individuals of the same nature. You're a chosen generation. You're a chosen kind, a chosen family, chosen offspring. We are the offspring of God, a chosen nation. You're chosen stock, a family. You've been born into it, many individuals. You have the same nature, the nature of God the nature of Jesus. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. The word for nation here in the Greek is the word ethnos. And it means company. You're a chosen company. A multitude with the same nature. A tribe. This is a Jesus company. This is a Jesus tribe. This is a Jesus family a nation, a people group. This is a Jesus people group. So when the world looks at JT, Aaron, and Javier, the world sees a 50-year-old black man, a 30-some-year-old white man, a 20-some-year-old Mexican, but God doesn't see it that way. God says, this is my kids. This is my family. This is my people. This is my tribe. They got my spirit. They got Jesus in them. They've been born of me. These are my people. And how'd they, how'd they get in that condition? They were born into the family of God. In fact, you can all be seated. Thank you so much. I thought if you could see it, it'd help you. But Paul prays for the church in Ephesians, and I I love Paul's prayers. If you want to know how to pray in a New Testament way, go to Paul's prayers. In Paul, in Paul prays in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Philippians 1, Colossians 1. And you know, in Paul's prayers, he never talks about lack. He never talks about need. He never talks about want. He only talks about who Christ is, who we are, what he called us to do, and what he's invested in us so we can get the job done. But I want to focus on his prayer, just the beginning of it, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15, he says this, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Everybody say this with me. God is my Father, and I'm in His family. Do you know that's a marvelous privilege that we have as the children of God? Somebody asked me just before church, how are things going? I said, you know what? We're just really, really blessed. Hallelujah. We're, we're blessed. In fact, Barbara was telling me yesterday, it's, it's really amazing to think about how we started out 
and where we are today and what God's done for us, how, how amazingly blessed we are. Now, you know, part of that, God's blessed us and part of us, he's given us some wisdom along the years. We've been really, really diligent. We were really diligent in our early years and that's paid off really in a big way and it just keeps getting better. It, it really amazes me what God is doing for us and what God has done for us. Amen, but God is a really, really good God. But God is my father and I'm in his family. And just like God is my father, God is your father. Just like God is my provider, God is your provider. Amen? Just like God does things for me, he'll do them for you. Because God is no respecter, the scripture says, of persons. He's only a respecter of faith. Amen? I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the family in heaven and earth is named. God is my Father. Say it again. God is my Father, and I'm his family. And how did you get in his family? You had to be born again. Right, you remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, he's a teacher of the Jews, and he, he comes to Jesus and said, hey, how do you do these miracles? Nobody could do miracles like this unless God's with him. Right? And Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus said, I'm doing miracles by kingdom authority. If you're going to do miracles like this, you've got to operate in kingdom authority. Now, Nicodemus is thinking naturally, just like a lot of people think naturally. Jesus is thinking spiritually. So Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? In other words, I'm too big to get back in my mother's womb. And Jesus goes on and says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You've got a physical man, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You've got a spiritual man. You've got an outward man and an inward man. And right now, Jesus said, I'm not talking about the outward man. I'm, I'm not talking about the physical man. I'm talking about the spiritual man. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. So we're born into God's family. Now, when we were born into God's family, we were born, praise God, as the Jesus generation, we were born to worship him. We are born worshipers. Now in John chapter four, Jesus begins ministering to a woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan. And as a whole, the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. The Jews call them dogs because they're mixed, right? They're a mix. That's what Peter's talking about. He says, this mixed multitude has become a tribe. This mixed multitude has become a family. They are the people of God. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy priesthood, priests who offer up worship. You are a holy nation. God's own special people. Chosen, what? To show forth the goodness, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not a people, but now you are a people. And I'm not talking about black or white or brown or red or yellow. 
I'm talking about Jesus has come to live on the inside of you. You're my family. You're my children. You're my kids. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Jesus starts talking to this woman who the Jews wouldn't usually talk to, and especially a man and a woman. And he said, listen, he was thirsty. Would you give me a drink? I don't have anything to draw with. And she said, what is this? You're a Jew asking me to give you a drink? And, and Jesus, Jesus, you know, gets her to give him a drink. He said, hey, whoever drinks this water is going to thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give you, you're never going to thirst again. That's in about John chapter 3, verse 14. It'll be in you a well of life springing up, well of water springing up into eternal life. And so Jesus is ministering to her there. And the woman says, sir, in verse 15, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. And Jesus said, go tell your husband and bring him. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You know what? You've had five before now. The marriage deal really hasn't worked out very well for you. Now you're on the number six, but you're not married. She says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Praise God. Our fathers say that we should worship at this mountain. And the Jews say we should worship at Jerusalem. What do you say? Jesus said, they don't really know what they're talking about, but you don't know what you're worshiping in verse 22. But we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is a Jew. And Jesus brought salvation. So if you don't love the Jews, you're in bad shape. But the hour has come in verse 23, and this is where I want to get, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is looking for people who will worship him in the spirit. The hour is coming when true worshipers are going to worship him in the spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what does it mean to worship God? What does it mean to worship God? We, we talk about it, we sing about it, but what does it mean really to, to worship God? Well, the, the Greek word for worship here is the word proskuneo, and it means to kiss the hand in reverence, to kneel or prostrate oneself before, to adore, to do reverence. The Hebrew word for worship is the word shaka, and it means to bow down before God in worship. What, is, what worship is really talking about? Worship is talking about surrender. Surrendering to Jesus. Surrendering to God. And really, if you're a worshiper of God, you're one who is surrendered. And I wanna surrender my life in my living, in my giving, in my being. I want to surrender everything I am to Jesus. Not only to know Jesus as my Savior, but I want to know Jesus as my Lord, as my Messiah. The woman says unto him, I know that the Messiah comes. I know that the anointed one comes, the one in whom is the Spirit, the Meshach, the anointed one, the Messiah who's called Christ, Christos, the anointed one. When he's come, he'll tell us all things. He'll tell us the truth. Jesus says, I that speak to thee 
am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one who's bringing to you the truth. I'm the one who has spirit and truth. God is a spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If we're going to have a revival, we need the move of the spirit and we need the truth of the word. I said this before, we need the old men so we don't blow up and we need the young men so we don't dry up. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We, if we're going to have a revival, and I, I believe revival's here. I believe that we're, we're, we're in the beginning of the greatest revival that planet Earth has ever seen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm excited about our future. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited about going forward with God. So how, how do you enter, when, when you're born in God's family, God is looking for people to worship him. He's looking for true spiritual worship. And where does true, spir true spiritual worship comes from the inside? And, and it's talking about having a life that is surrendered to God. Amen? I'm a Christ follower. Amen? I am one who's surrendered to God. Jesus is not only my savior, but he is my Lord. In other words, Jesus, you call the shots. Praise God. Now, when I begin to think of that the Jesus generation was born to worship. We were born to worship. And I think about this scripture in Daniel chapter four. This is in Nebuchadnezzar after he's kind of went crazy and then come back from being crazy. In verse 34, it says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, the greatest empire in the world at that point in time. I lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him who lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. He has an everlasting dominion. Praise God. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Praise God. We were born to worship God. Nebuchadnezzar took him a long time to figure that out, but he figured that out. Amen. I was born to worship God. God is the one who rules. Amen. He thought it was the greatest thing since apple pie, but figured out he wasn't. Amen. You ever see some of those people? You know? I'm the greatest. Well, you need to figure out that he's the greatest. Praise God and surrender to him. We were born to worship, but not only were we born to worship, we were created. The Jesus generation was created to praise God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you might show forth the praises, he's called you to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were created to praise God. I love this scripture in Psalm 102. Let me show this psalm. It's got some prophecy in it. Psalm 102, verse 18. I'll read it to you. It says, this shall be written for the generation to come. The people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. What happened when you got born again, when you believed the word? You became a new creation and you were created to praise the Lord. When you were born of God, you were born to praise the Lord. 
You were born to worship him. God is seeking worshipers. You're born to surrender and, and you're born to praise the Lord. You remember Jesus when he's coming in to Jerusalem and they, they begin to wave the palm branches and honor him as king. And Jesus said, it has been written out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. Out of the mouths of babes. This is written for the generation to come, the generation to praise the Lord. And the religious people got upset because of the way that people were worshiping or praising Jesus. A lot of times religious people get upset because of how somebody worships or how somebody praises. Right? They, they were upset with the praise. And Jesus said, listen, if these didn't worship me, the, the stones would cry out. Do you want the stones to take your place? The rocks would cry out and praise me. The, the rocks would cry out, you know, in this whole pandemic, they've been trying to silence worship. Well, well if you worship, you can only have one person or one person. In California, they limited congregational worship to one person. Colorado, they tried to limit it to 25. You can't have more than 25. Crazy. New Mexico, they said, you've got to wear a mask. You can't sing in church. Well, guess what? We're still singing in church. And I'm going to keep singing in church. I'm going to keep praising God in church. Hallelujah. It's crazy what's going on. And they're trying to stop the praise. But you know what? They're not. The church isn't going to be silenced. The church isn't going to be stopped. The voice of God is not going to be quenched in the earth. It's going to keep going forward. And it's going to get greater and greater as we go forward. Hallelujah. Isn't it marvelous? I, it just amazes me. But God said, this is, this is written for a generation to come. The people who shall be created shall praise the Lord. Well, how are we going to praise him? I want you to turn with me to Psalm 150. Barbara read this last week. Listen to Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him in the earth. This earth is the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the flute and with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and with the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments, guitars, and organs, pianos, hallelujah. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Now, a lot of times we think how praise ought to be. And we have a vision and a lot of times the way we think praise ought to be is the way praise was when, when we got converted or when we had a you know, major life change and surrender to Jesus. But praise is always changing, it's always developing, different things are always happening. In fact, Aaron was preaching recently on a Wednesday night and he read me a letter from Billy Graham that he printed openly because someone you know, criticized, came to Billy Graham and said, should I go to my pastor and talk about the worship? I don't like the worship of my church. I don't like all these new songs that they're doing. 
He said, listen, I want you to realize that when they wrote those songs, somebody probably criticized them and didn't like those songs. You know, Aaron talked about Bach. Bach wrote a lot of beautiful music and worship to God. And he got a lot of criticism. People didn't like it because, and it's a, it's a lot of the hymns that we sing today. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's always changing and it's always developing in it. And, and you know, praise looks different sometimes as we, and, and we think, you know, it ought to be like it was when I, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when God called me to preach, that's how it works. That's, in fact, I sit down and have a beautiful piano that God gave me in my home. It, it's gorgeous. It's a seven-foot concert grand, Mason Hamlin, made in 1922. It's almost 100 years old. And it had been restored before we got it, but then it hadn't been taken care of a while. So we got it and we had to take some care of it to get it back. But it just, it's just amazing. And I sit down and I worship God. And I just love to worship God all by myself. My house has 2,900 square foot of wood floors. So got a 2,900 foot soundboard. It's all around my home. In the summer, people can hear it all around the neighborhood. When I'm worshiping Jesus, I love to worship Jesus. But you know, there's different ways that people worship Jesus. And there's different ways that praise, people praise the Lord. In fact, the Hebrew word, there's, I found, I used to think there were seven, but I found nine of them this time. There's probably more than that. But, but there's at least nine Hebrew words for praise. And the one that's used in Psalm 150 is this one. It's halal. It means to boast, to be mad, celebrate. To glory, to praise. You know, Ben's up here and he was playing the guitar. He was pretty calm in first service. But second service, you saw him today. He was jumping and worshiping and glorifying. And, and some people say, he just bothers us when he's up there like that. But I got this lovely couple. In fact, they're probably watching tonight. It's the Ron and Karen B. Wright. They, they got a ministry in Hawaii and they watched the second service there connected here. We just love when Ben worships God. They're up in their 70s. Hallelujah. Isn't it marvelous to see some 70-year-olds that love when the young people get excited for Jesus? You know, David married Michael, King Saul's daughter, and he was bringing back the he was bringing back the ark of God to Jerusalem, to its rightful place. And as he did, he, he got so overwhelmed that he began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. And Michael despised him and said, how could you be like that? You know, to, to just expose yourself before the people like that. And David said, listen, Michael, I'm going to be yet more vile than this when it comes to worshiping, when it comes to praising God. Hallelujah. 
Mark Hankins talks about his mama and how his mama would get excited and run around the church. You know that happened? His daddy was pastoring a little church. They hardly had any people or anything. His mom was going through like an emotional breakdown. She was in the bedroom like 20 hours a day. But Kenneth E. Hagin came to their church and ministered and she got delivered and she got set free. And so from that day to the, to the day she went home to be with Jesus, she would run around the church and celebrate. Hallelujah and worship. Mark said, when I bring my friends to church, I, I, I was nearly embarrassed. Is it going to happen today? Is somebody going to get a tongue? Is somebody going to give interpretation? Is mama going to get wild and run? And almost everybody ran. And you know that church turned into a, from a little bitty church to they had a church of six, 3,000 people in a town of 6,000. And they gave millions and millions of dollars to missions. They had half of the town's population in their church. That's marvelous. We haven't done anything yet. I'm believing for 10,000 people in Colorado Springs. Amen. Because I think there's 10,000 Jesus worshipers here that love Jesus, that love the Word of God. Hallelujah. Mark would get excited and run. People ask him, how many are you running? He said, I run them all. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to yet be more vile. But there's a lot of different words for praise. In fact, there's one yada. It means to praise, to give thanks, to confess, thanksgiving. Halul means to make merry, to praise, to rejoice, to celebrate with thanksgiving. Tehillah means to praise, adoration, thanksgiving, to sing a hymn. I love it when we sing hymns. You know, a lot of times when I sit down on my piano and play, I, I play some hymns. Hey man, I, you talk about the greatness of God and what he's done. Barak means to bless, to kneel, to make to kneel, to be blessed. Zamar means to sing psalms, to make music, to play. In. You know, we got some churches that you can't have an instrument in church. Well, there's a, there's a word for praise that means to play an instrument. I, I like the instrument. Praise God. I was thinking about this. I wonder how people felt when they went from the harpsichord to the piano. What a, what a great transition. <laughs> the people probably complained about it. Because it's different. Hello, I already did that one. To boast, to be mad, to celebrate. Rua, to shout. Clap your hands, oh, you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know, once in a while, my staff hears me. I'll, I'll, I'll just shout. And it's not only here, praise God. I, you know, I, I was shouting different places. Hallelujah. One day I was leaving the post office. It's when we lived in Kit Carson. I went up, I said, I'm blessed by the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I didn't know anybody heard me back in the back of the post. They said, that sure sounds good. <laughs> well, I found it to be true. It's working in my life. Taka, to clap, to blow, to strike. Manhole, to dance and dance. You know. When my middle son, Andrew, he's the first one I had to get married. And he married an evangelical girl. Before, before they dated, she got on our website with her daddy and she looked at all our beliefs because they went to a, you know, an evangelical church. Doesn't look at things quite like we do. Her daddy said, well, I could tell you this, it's all in the Bible. Praise God. Now Andrew and Bree have helped in Denver and they've, they've been in a good full gospel church for, for a number of years, but when they were going to get married, she wanted to have a dance. I said, I don't know about dancing, you know, at the wedding. And you know what? 
You know what my daughter-in-law told me? She said that, she'd been coming here to five, five years to church then. She went to youth and <laughs> helped with the youth and then helped with the offerings and served the whole time. She said, she told me, that's just your Pentecostal religion. <laughs> Listen, and I've, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. And I've read it over and over and over again. And I, I tell you what, I have to agree with my daughter-in-law. That was just my Pentecostal religion. Because in, the Jews danced and they celebrated. And I, I think when you're getting married, it's a good time to celebrate. But there's, there's different ways to praise God. And sometimes it's a lifted hand or a bowed knee. Sometimes it's a shout. Sometimes it's being mad. <laughs> Glory to God, but God's really good. But you know, this is the thing that I want you to see. Because a lot of times people are focusing on differences. We don't like how the young people worship. You don't like how them old people sing them hymns. <laughs> Amen? But what we need to do is we need to focus on Jesus. Because when we focus on Jesus, what happens? Jesus brings together and he doesn't pull us apart. You know, when Barbara and I got married, we, we had a very good counselor. Her pastor counseled us. And I was going to the Assembly of God Church, Word of Faith, Assembly of God Church. She was going to the Foursquare Church. And her pastor counseled us. And he said this. He said, it's like, Lawson, you're on this side of the building over here. And you see the building from this perspective. And Barbara's on this side of the building over here, and she sees the building from this perspective. And if she just looks at her perspective and you look at your perspective, you're going to pull apart. But he said, you have to realize Jesus is above you. God's above And if you let Jesus be the Lord of your marriage and you go to him, Jesus sees it all, and you're going to pull together, and you're not going to pull apart. So what I, what I want you to do is not focus on what separates us. But I want you to focus on Jesus. Because if we focus on Jesus, I don't believe he's going to separate us. I believe he's going to unite us. And in the area of praise, since I'm talking about it, I think a lot of our ideas about praise, really they're from tradition and religion more than they're from the Bible. In fact, I'll tell you, when I went to Israel, to see the holy sites, the, the sites that are controlled by the Orthodox churches. They're like, be quiet. Shh. Don't wake up the dead people here. They're dead saints. There's dead saints that are buried here. Be quiet. But I went to the Protestant sites. You could talk and you could be happy. I went and preached in the Ukraine. In 1994, just a few years before that, it had been part of the Soviet Union. When I, I preached there for about a week and a half. And when I was there in the Ukraine preaching, you know, when I first went there, they said, you're too loud. You can't be like, you can't preach. And they, they kind of had a mixed up, they kind of mixed Mary worship and Christianity and Jesus all together. It was real kind of muddled, their religion that they had. But, but they, they, 
They, they had, you know, it was all kind of one and they, they, didn't re- they weren't really clear on it. But they told me, you're too loud and you're too happy. You can't be happy like that. <laughs> and I told my interpreter, listen to me. They told me right, right at the first. You're too loud and you're too happy. I said, I'm going to keep being loud and I'm going to keep being happy. Because my Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. 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 And after about a week, she said, I got it. I got it. (laughs) Hallelujah. And she got happy. Glory to God. I think a lot of things been formed more by religion than the Bible. And rather than let religion drive us and separate us, I think we need to let the Bible be our guide and surrender to Jesus. And as we surrender to Jesus, we're not going to pull apart, but he's going to pull us together as we worship him. Thanks for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast with Pastor Lawson Perdue. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.